0: Hello everybody and welcome to Pod on the Tine, a podcast all about Newcastle United, brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne and I am joined of course by Mr. George Colton and Mr. Chris Woff. Hello boys, how are you? Oh,
1: very Hello good
2: boys. Time. Very festive, we're <laughs> feeling very festive. We're, we're We're dressed in tinsel
0: and wearing party hats. Ho, ho, ho indeed. Um, well, today we're going to have a, a bit of a look back at the uh, at the year so far, uh, a review of the season so far, if you will. We're going to uh, talk about all the major talking points and have a little bit of a look ahead to 2020 as well. And uh, we'd like to kick this off by casting our minds back a mere six months ago to the summer uh, and what happened at the start of the year. It was very um, soap opera-ish, shall we say, and it was uh, it was classic Newcastle United our manager left, Mr Rafa Benitez, walked away uh, at the end of his contract, (laughs) when then we all thought, what the hell happens now?
1: Yeah, the summer was chaotic, uh, even more so than Newcastle United usually is during that period. And basically, after the the Fulham game at the end of last season, 4-0, sort of that triumphant feeling, feeling of positivity, Benitez came into his post-game press conference and you thought this th- this could have a happy ending after all but then he had a meeting with uh, Mike Ashley and D. Charney a few days later we didn't hear anything for weeks and then eventually, just the week before his contract was up, the club basically announced that they couldn't come to an agreement and suddenly uh, chaos reigned and Newcastle hadn't made any sign-ins because they weren't able to with Benitez stills manager. They didn't have a replacement lined up and it was just a feeling of, of a club uh, lacking identity and, and a lot of fans were really disillusioned and as we are still feeling the after-effects of that now and I think that that will continue for a long while yet.
2: Undoubtedly, that was the big moment of the year. The big, the big schism that sort of split the split the year in two, and um, we are still coming to terms with that and what it means. Um, you can certainly look at the, the the Benitez's three years as a sort of era at the club, and there was this era of hope and ambition. That certainly was how it felt, or that certainly was um, what Rafa allowed the club. To, to to kind of be viewed as that he represented something not just not just his management style not just his CV but coming to Newcastle talking about potential and things like that yeah. when he left everything changed in that respect and we're still sort of coming to terms with what the new Newcastle is and what it stands for yeah. has it just regressed to the pre Benitez time that this is just a club ticking over um, or can it be in a position where it can progress and move forward? And, I mean, certainly we're, we're at the point now where things have been better than they than, than we expected at the start of the season when the chaos that Chris talked about had taken really sort of taken a grip. I think there's a lot of relief about that, that things have done well, uh, you know, that things have gone uh, relatively well and that Steve Bruce has sort of done, you know, certainly done OK, more than OK. Um, but what is this club? You know, is it, uh, I mean, that's a question we've all asked, but you know. Question but, for
0: the ages uh, Yeah, but
2: what is it and what does it stand for and what happens in the future? So there was this, yeah, huge, huge schism at the middle of the year, which which kind of changed everything.
0: I genuinely don't even think Mike actually knows the answer to that question. I get the feeling he's just kind of plugging his way along at the minute and hoping for the best.
2: Well, it, it's, felt, it's felt like that a lot over the last 12 years, hasn't yeah. it? That, you know, there have been various kind of strategies and there have been you know strategies in terms of recruitment and things like that but you know those things have sort of been jettisoned along the way we know the club is still up for sale albeit he said that he's kind of presuming that he's going to be here for the medium long term whatever but we don't sort of know what what the club stands for in terms of ambition you know they talked about playing in a more expansive style at the start of the season they talked about wanting to compete and you know renewing themselves in the Cups and targeting Mm, Cups. They of course immediately went out of the League Cup, FA Cup still to come. So there's a lot we don't know. What we do know is that it could be a lot worse than it is at the moment and so we say thank
0: heavens for small mercies and all hallelujah to the baby Jesus. to the baby cheeses indeed and there was a lot of noise in the summer as well around takeovers and that kind of thing and and you know we kind of expect it now a little bit it's kind of oh what time is it oh it's it's that time it's takeover time again here we go you know season tickets and transfer windows and all that and the cynical side of the fan would think this is really sort of you know this is quite nice that this has happened again and it's the timing is perfect what have you uh, and then it all sort of fell in and I think I think that noise was probably not needed this summer, to be honest. It was a bit of an unwanted distraction from what was actually going on at the club, which was trying to keep Rafa there.
1: I think for the club, it was probably a welcome distraction, they may argue otherwise. But yeah. given at the time that, that people got excited about that, some fans got excited. and I got very excited. Well, I mean, this was the thing. And th- three statements, one of which came via a DJ, which was the most unusual of, the, of them all. And I think at that point, people <laughs> started to realise that this probably isn't going to happen. Was when, it Tony
0: Blackburn or...? <laughs> Don't all the best statements come directly from DJs? Well, I, Surely I, they do.
1: I, I think that that's how most people do their PR, particularly uh, particularly <laughs> if they're wanting to buy a football club. Hey, Pop Pickers, uh, just to <laughs> let you know,
2: the uh, takeover of Newcastle upon Tyne is uh, <laughs> happening right about now.
0: Yeah,
1: Chris Moyles announcing transfers for Man United, that kind of thing. It's about time it happens, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> but but then at that period, as I say, and, I mean newcastle got a lot of criticism over the summer for becoming known as as the no comment club and it was it, that that was it, it it was in one sense amusing because everything became no comment but it was also damaging and i think that they got that completely wrong as i say in my opinion and th- they will probably disagree i thought that it was convenient for them when all it came about from the binzai group when it was quite clear that a takeover was not going to happen everyone that we spoke to every northeast journalist basically knew this was unlikely to happen yeah and the story had sort of taken on a life of its own. But as I say, I think that there was an idea um, of, of Newcastle becoming the No Comic Club, and they, they refute that. They, they, they weren't very happy with it. It became almost mocking. But I think that at a time when Newcastle were going through what was essentially yeah. an existential crisis, that was what they became, and that didn't help anything. There was a lovely period on Twitter for about six, eight weeks where every
0: single tweet that the club put out was just replied with stream of no comment no comment no comment from every single fan all the way down whoever the whoever the poor lad or lass was who was doing the uh, the social media at the time must have been pulling their hair out it's just yeah. shouting into a vacuum wasn't it i hard. mean i'd
2: like to comment on that but i'm
0: not well, obviously sh- not, not sure not if-, <laughs> if i'm
2: prepared to so um, <laughs> it's not the time, not but the time. no and i mean it's the kind of interesting thing is that the the takeover stuff has not gone away in the in the sense that there are still you know, there are still people looking looking at the club. There always will be. Um, you know, there've been some 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 reports around the last few days about that, but sort of nobody seems to be paying any attention to it anymore because it has gone it has become that kind of cry wolf. That yeah, sort of absolutely. cry wolf. People don't want to invest in that anymore. A lot of people did over the summer, and um, you know, it sort of makes that disappointment even harder. Rafa spoke over the summer about how he wasn't aware of what's of what was going on. Nobody was kind of telling him what was happening and couldn't get any clarity on that but you know that is the that is I mean, in a in a soap opera club that is the up, that is the sort of ultimate storyline isn't it it's just the thing yeah. that never ever gets resolved or taken further so it's better for everybody's sanity to sort of just presume that this is the status quo and we get on with it
0: <laughs> absolutely so rafa left and uh, immediately, the name started flying around about who was going to be his replacement. Uh, in one week, we had Jose Mourinho and Arsene Wenger touted, but you know, takeover, uh, waiting for the takeover to happen if that was what the case was going to be. Uh, and we ended up with uh, a local lad uh, called Steve Bruce. Uh, and I'm, I don't think it's unfair to say that it was a slightly underwhelming appointment as far as the fans were concerned. Well, do you, I mean, do you remember
2: when I can't remember like when Alan Pardew was manager? There was all there was this sort of people would sort of say, oh, you know, Newcastle fans they only want a Geordie. Or I remember Joe Kinnear saying all that kind of crap as well. And um, Joe Kinnear said a lot of crap. Over he, what his, he did, <laughs> yes, he he only talked crap. Um, but and you know, this is that is you know again th- th- that was always nonsense. People just want want a good manager, they want good people at their football club. Steve Bruce, the problem with Steve Bruce is that, I mean he is a Geordie, but he had to reintroduce himself to Newcastle fans because he was associated with Manchester United for, for a yeah. large chunk of his career then he's managed at Sunderland mm-hmm. and so you know this idea that he's a Geordie being welcomed back into the bosom of his family and all that kind of stuff just wasn't true I mean he's been away for a long time he has to talk about you know he has to sort of explain who he is and I don't mean you know by talking about his background and stuff like that he just has to reintroduce himself as a person yeah. as a, and as a football man I think he's done that you know as time has gone on And, um, you know, but it was a very, very rocky beginning, not because of who he was, but because of who he was replacing. And as we've said, what, you know, what that person stood for. So it's been, you know, it's been a slow process and a long process. I think that was always going to be the case. He wasn't anyone's first choice. Mm. um, But, you know, at the same time, he 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 wasn't the kind of clown, the clueless sort of person that people people sort of said from a position of anger at the start and you know he has shown that he is a he is a more than competent manager but you know
0: it was dicey it was dicey at the start I don't think anybody would have been more surprised at Steve Bruce getting that job than Steve Bruce to be honest I think that was a you know that was probably a bit of a shock to him as well as it was to
1: us well you admitted that at the time essentially yeah. that, that he he didn't believe his agent when he, when he first said to him and that he, he he came out and said that that Alan Shearer and Alan Shearer admitted this, that, that they advised him not to take the job and that a lot of people had said, do, do not take this position. But he turned it down before. He felt that he couldn't now. And I mean, the reality is, even if you remove the fact it was Newcastle United, was Steve Bruce going to get another Premier League job in, in the medium to short term? Probably not, unless he took Sheffield Wednesday up and he was doing a reasonable job there. Yeah. And it, at the time, I, after, I remember thinking this is a... You, you've jumped out of a position where you, you really are seen quite positively at Sheffield Wednesday. You seem to have a reasonable thing there going there, even if finances are tight and, and there are question marks about Sale of Stadium and whatnot. But he wanted to take the challenge on, he wanted to front it up and I have to be honest, I think that he did underestimate quite what he was walking into. Yeah. He said he didn't but I think that quite quickly you realised no, that no, it was even more intense. Than
2: nobody, nobody ever knows with those things. I mean, you just don't. You see it at you see it at other parts of the northeast. I mean, you know, Steve, Steve had been at Sunderland, so he's already been introduced to that sort of the feeling around, the feeling around one of the kind of great northeast clubs, and it's the same. It's the same. It's the same here. But that doesn't prepare you for it, and. Um, you know, people can kind of get lost, and you know, they the, the again, the difficult thing for him was that he has replaced the ultimate detail man, you know, the man who obsesses over those small percentages. And this isn't to to criticize the way Steve Bruce goes about things, but it's he is different, he has a different yeah. personality, you know, he's he. You know, there can be a lack of detail when he talks because that's just not the kind of fellow he is. He likes talking. He'll all he'll talk for the sake of it. Whereas you knew with Rafa when he spoke publicly that there was always a reason behind what he was saying. It was
0: always very measured, wasn't and it? And it
2: was very sort of measured. And so you felt those you know, you felt those contrasts in those opening weeks. And, you know, we'll 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 get to see over the next few weeks, months, you know, and potentially longer, about about his his strengths and weaknesses as a manager. I mean, so you know, with Rafa, it wasn't just him; it was a coaching it was a coaching staff uh, who were sort of incredibly detailed in what they did. I mean, I'm delighted that Steve Harper's now back at Newcastle, someone mm. someone that I know well and love, and someone who has the club's you know has the club's uh, best interest absolutely at his heart it's very interesting that he's kind of bridging the what's been a big gap between the first team and sort of the academy and youth youth level and stuff but you know we've gone we've gone from a coaching staff and a system where everything was everything was uh, detailed and everything was uh, done to a purpose whether it was set pieces whether it was you know in the kitchen and food and mm. I'm I'm having a like a mental block, but like rye, <laughs> rye bread being given to players. Why have I thought of rye bread? That's the only thing I can. Anyway, um, and you know, to 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 what what is the situation now? We don't know. We know that you know that people like Steve Agnew, for example, have got a good reputation in the game and things like that. But all those things, when a manager changes, it's not just that one man. It's about you know it filters down into yeah. what's beneath him and all that stuff. And you know, we we are yet to see how that what that
0: actually means. Yeah, there was a joke going around a little while ago, wasn't there, about an entire football club called Steve.
1: And that appears to <laughs> yes. be the case it, it's it doesn't. You? you don't Steve have to Steve be Steve, Steve, to Steve to work Bruce. here, but it helps. But it helps, yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, had a, we had a bit of an interesting summer as well, as far as the playing squad goes. Obviously, Jose Perez left, Salomon Rondon left, and ended up in China with Rafa. And we brought in a guy called Joe Linton. Joe Linton, Joseph linton whatever you want to call (laughs) however you pronounce the name whatever you call him um for 40 million pounds from hoffenheim the club record signing and it it got tongues wagging a little bit we was a bit of excitement
1: about that wasn't it there was excitement but i also think that this was part of the situation that steve bruce walked into in terms of a he was named as head coach not manager which was symbolic if nothing else and to be honest, most football clubs are going that way. But the fact that Benitez had demanded that he was manager, that was changed from yeah. McLaren to head coach, and the fact it reverted back immediately implied a lack of power. And also the fact that Joe Linton had been a target for months. Same with Alan Saint Maximan. And so the, the the majority of the signings that that Bruce ended up ratifying and agreeing to, the majority of the of the groundwork had already been done. So for someone like Joe Linton, he's obviously come in and, and has struggled significantly wearing the number nine shirt. Not really sure yet if he's a centre-forward, hasn't played as a lone centre-forward for the majority of his career, hasn't quite worked for him yet. And then at the end of of the transfer window, they bring back Andy Carroll, the prodigal son, or however you want to refer to him as, and belatedly he's come back into the team with, with, with after fitness problems and, and the number nine has been shunted wider, which just shows if, if Newcastle United are spending £40 million on someone, you would expect them to be playing week in, week out in that main uh, position.
2: And we're still no nearer to sort of understanding what that was all about. I mean, in, in one of his very rare interviews after Benitez left, Mike Ashley talked about, you know, being prepared to put in 20 million quid of his own money to fund the signing and and all that and it's as if this was the sort of biggest no-brainer ever but when you've got a manager of Rafa's calibre refusing to do, to do it you sort of have to ask questions and you have to ask questions about you know how and why they've spent that much money in a one-horse race, and something that we've talked about before on the pod is, you know, what was the strategy here? Where was he supposed to, supposed to be playing? Who was he supposed to be playing beside? What is the idea about the way they've about the way they're playing? At the moment, it's it's it, that none of those things have been resolved. We don't know. Um, I mean, you know, with the caveat that it can take take people time to, to to establish themselves and that he's still very young. We're no clearer to knowing what his best position is and how he fits into this team. And it feels very awkward. And it's it was a, by Newcastle standards, you know, it was more than doubling their transfer record and why we're not sure about yet, which mm. is pretty startling.
0: So the start of the season, Steve Bruce came out and we were promised and we were told that we were going to be experiencing this new expansive attacking style of football. The players were frustrated under Rafa Benitez's defensive shackles uh, and we were going to be breaking out and kicking the arse of the Premier League.
1: And let's be honest, it wasn't really the case, was it? no well i mean within two games he he abandoned his 532 <laughs> formation which he'd wanted to play uh, throughout pre-season and he'd spoken about playing i think the I, part of the idea was to try and get the best out of john Joe Shelby. ironically subsequently Shelby's playing far better in in a in a different formation yeah. um and also uh newcastle <laughs> he also tried four at the back at one stage away at Leicester, and obviously that that and was and we know how that went yes that was that was pretty horrific in in every single Way.
0: Worst performance of the year, that one. Do you think the Leicester game?
1: Uh, for for me, it, in terms of being somewhere and seeing, uh, there were down with ten men second half, but just the feeling at that point, because that was before they'd been on a decent run, it almost uh, crystallised the fears that I think everyone had that this could really go tits up, and it seemed to be going tits up. So that for to me, use, to it, use a technical term, to use a technical term, yes, that's exactly. in the coaching manuals. That one isn't <laughs> yeah. it? That is yeah. tits up. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it was, I think I think the reason for me as well was in the press conference afterwards. Bruce made one at the time I called to be a, a, to, he took the nuclear option as, as I referred to at the time because he came out and he basically repeated what he'd said in the change room to the players publicly and and mm-hmm. really called them out and actually I remember sitting there looking at him and he looked like he was going to cry and that's not how go he 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 was basically welling up but you could see he thought yeah. this is gonna go one of two ways now thankfully since there's, there's been an upturn but at that point he he felt low and everyone at the club I think felt very very low
2: You can certainly say that that's been one of the it was one of the most important results of the year if not the most important results of the year in terms of being that big crucial pivotal moment and there has been you know whatever happens between now you know in the end of the season that that was a big big moment where there had to be a response after that mm. things had to change the formation had to change um and You know, thankfully, thankfully it worked, but yeah, it was um, that was a it felt like a pretty desperate moment.
1: But George talked earlier about a a different game at the very start of the year, which he thought was his lowest point of the year.
2: Well, yeah, if we're talking about sort of most best and worst, the which we weren't particularly. But But I mean, shall I just? I'm just going to veer off. (laughs) Okay, that's I'll just veer (laughs) off. Well, so the Man City game at home, obviously, um, right at the end of January, beginning of February. Um, was was so startling and a brilliant moment, and mm. it has been, you know, it has been a difficult two or three years back in the Premier League. We all know that, but those big moments when they come along, you know, you you savor them because of, you know, because of that. And it was, it was towards the end of the window on that day, of course, Almiron signing was announced, and that gave people a boost. And then the champions come to St James's. And Newcastle give them a bloody nose. And it was a, you know, that was a, it was a brilliant occasion. You'd leave the stadium sort of with that life sort of affirming. Oh, this was, that was amazing. You know, it was brilliant. I feel good about my football club again. And then of course, a few days later, it was Watford at home in the <laughs> FA Cup. And Newcastle were beaten before, you know, two hours before the game. You come in and there's that stench of defeat. And that has been the case Um at the club for a long time now on those cup games, but but I felt I felt that disappointment to, to the absolute core yeah. of my being because it had come from that unexpected high which nobody had been sort of anticipating. You're lifted and then you're just let down again. I mean it felt very Newcastle in that sense, but yeah. it just you just felt that th- that the club had been beaten before the start.
0: It feels like that a lot the more support in Newcastle, doesn't it? We yeah, get we get these yeah. moments of high, these like ecstatic, joyous moments and then it gets taken away from you and and, and that's it and it's just crushing. And to quote uh, Gennaro Gattuso in one of his recent... uh, news conferences uh, sometimes very very good sometimes very very, shit. <laughs> <laughs> more often than very very shit more often than not very very shit yeah and uh, just kind of getting back to uh, to the start of the season and the, and the games that we saw and the way the team was playing obviously Andy Carroll was injured when he signed <laughs> kel surprise um, and, and we just had to kind of go on with what we had Dwight, Dwight, Dwight Gale wasn't getting a look in he was injured or was he injured I don't know I'm still not sure um, but he wasn't figuring and he wasn't playing and so Steve Bruce's uh, five-three-two formation, like you said, didn't particularly set the world alight. We changed back to that four. We got humped off Leicester, uh, and then, like you say, that was the catalyst moment. Things started to change, and I think a lot of it was uh, a lot of it was down to that change in system, the way the wide men were playing, and Alanson Maximan. I thought coming in and the the performance against West Ham, they're still trying to unscrew Pablo Zabaleta from the turf of the Olympic Stadium, I thought was one of those moments where I go, hang on a minute, we've got something here. There's there's something here. And it's the same sort of feeling that I got. I don't know if you remember this, but it was years ago, Jonas Gutierrez's first game against Manchester United at Old Trafford. And I sat in the pub with, with my friend and we watched the game and I went, who is this player and how does he play for us? And I got the same sort of feeling against West Ham watching Saint Maximin.
1: Well, that West Ham game, a lot of times you'll hear Newcastle fans say, "Oh, we've we've caught teams at the wrong time." But I think Newcastle were fortuitous to catch West Ham on that day. That was a result that they needed. And don't get me wrong, the counter attack and football that they showed was excellent. But unless you were in the stadium, it's hard to explain to you how bad West Ham were <laughs> and how <laughs> genuinely That's Newcastle. Fair. All they had to do, Shelby would get the ball or or Sher would get the ball, and just. Kick it long, and West Ham's defence was so high and repeatedly yeah. as well. I hadn't learned the first time. And Sam Maximan and Almiron were just devastating on the break. Now, actually, when they got into the penalty area, it was a completely different story. And at one point, the two of them almost seemed to be passing towards each other because they didn't want to shoot and, and they missed a few chances. But and all Newcastle's goals actually came set from set, set pieces, d- d- <laughs> despite the fact. But, but the, the reason they were in those positions was because Sam Maximan and Almiron be able to carry the ball and get them up the pitch and they are now they are both so crucial to the way Newcastle play because yeah. they are so deep defensively and they need those players to carry them up and so Sam Maximan has given them that extra dimension and I think Almirón was starting to see a bit more from now in that sense.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: And that, and those, you know, that 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 thing about wanting to change style and stuff like that, that's that's all fair enough. But managers also have to be pragmatic and they have to they have to deal with what they've got and and Steve Bruce has done that. Um you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward, how you go about making those changes. It is possible, we've seen it at Brighton, for example, this season, we talked about that before, you know, how they can they can have changed their style yeah. so obviously and so clearly. But it's not always it's not always possible. You have to make the best of of what you've got and I think Newcastle have done that it's painful it's been painful to watch a lot of the time but needs must
0: speaking of making the best of what you've got we've we've went into the the wider squad a little bit this year we've brought through a few players who maybe haven't had a chance before it was nice to see Matty Longstaff get a a, a start a, a debut in the Premier League against Manchester United and score his first goal as well a lovely moment for a local lad and playing alongside his brother as well it must have been a great feeling for him that day
2: i think i think the I think the emergence of the long staffs is one of the nice stories of 2009, not just sorry 19, not just this, not just this season, but last season as well. And you know that Man United moment was a was a beautiful one. One of the things you know Chris has just sort of said about things going for Newcastle, we've seen that a lot on the pitch. I mean, not up, not up, not in attack where they're still trying to find answers, but elsewhere on the pitch it's actually been pretty good. So when there's been, although they have a lot of centre-halves, when one's gone out through injury or suspension or whatever, others have come in and done really well. And the same has applied in mid, to midfield. I mean, if you think back to the start of the year or the, to the start of last season, the idea that Sean Longstaff and Isaac Hayden would be really pivotal in the second half of yeah. last season was, was kind of nonsense. It was ridiculous. And then... Um, you know, we've seen Shelby go out of the team and then come back in recently in spite of the curse that I, I put on him, saying that he was absolutely hopeless and a liability. He's proved to himself to be, um, you know, def- defensively sort of sound and, and you know, been captaining the team. And then for the long staffs to come into the team and then to go back out of the team. I mean, it's, you know, without there being too much of a sort of hiccup along the way. But, I mean, the long staffs, the long staffs have been a success story, albeit in limited Terms we got very very excited when Matty came into the team and he's he's not kind of been seen very much since then, um, but it 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 made us it's made us feel a bit better about, about ourselves because the club have produced these these kids
0: absolutely yeah um uh, the November December kind of run that we got to was. Was, was pretty pretty decent as well. We've just come off the back of that. Newcastle had seven points in three games, uh, taking, uh, taking all the points against Southampton and Sheffield United and a draw at home against Manchester City. However, there is questions over the football and style and we've spoke about this in, in detail recently as well. We don't like the football, do we?
1: No, but <laughs> as, as we've said before as well, the the ends sort of justify the means to a degree and, and you said yourself here that if Newcastle are going to win every week, you don't really care how they're going to play. Yeah. And so I don't think that's necessarily a universal opinion. I think there are some fans who would like to see Newcastle play in a different way, but needs must for now. And Bruce has said that himself. In the medium to long term, he wants to change the way that they're going to play. And I think that we'd all like to see that because we've we've spoken about, is it sustainable that you can keep playing this way? They probably should have, and should have lost against Sheffield United. They could well have lost against yeah, Southampton. Yeah. So... They are riding their luck to a degree at a certain point, but th- that's the way that this team are at the moment. Newcastle, the reality is they are a mid-to-lower mid-table team. They have to be at their very best to-, to beat the opposition, and even then they probably need luck to go their way. I- yeah. I'd say that's the case for at least half of the Premier League, to be I honest. Mean,
0: you can't keep playing with a lack of attack and threat like the way we are. It's it. Eventually the wheels are going to come off, aren't they? Well, you have to think
2: so, yeah. You have to think so. and um you know Mike, michael cox of the athletic did a did a piece on the burnley newcastle game looking at the sort of underlying statistics Behind the game, and what are you going to say? You I, to I know.
0: Me? I really enjoyed his his uh, little turn of phrase in that, which was, "This was not an attractive game of football." No,
2: no, and <laughs> clearly, clearly, it wasn't. I mean, I wasn't there. Chris was, but um, and you know, so so those underlying statistics do show something. I mean, they don't. You know, they're not necessarily the only thing that we have to rely on, but they do show that it's it, you know this can't last forever, and so. You know, I think I think what happens next month in terms of the transfer window will be important. Um, but I think we also have to say that, you know, at least it's given Newcastle what's happened so far, at least it's given Newcastle a good foundation. Yeah. There won't be the need to panic. Um that there's or you know, the, that that mood that's been around the club in the last two seasons, certainly back in the Premier League, it's felt very, very tense over January. Um Hopefully, there should be a bit less tension this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're not kind of staring down the face of relegation, then you know it's it's a bit easier, isn't it, going into that period? The pressure is definitely off.
1: It is what concerns me going into January, and this is from recent history: is that Newcastle aren't very good at strengthening from a position of I'll say relative strength. They're not in a massively strong position, yeah. but in relative strength. So, if if say by mid-January they've got mid twenty odd points, late twenty points. They're essentially just a few wins away from safety then. In my opinion, as difficult as a window as January is, I accept all of that. You should be thinking ahead to next season already and what can we bring forward. Mm. My concern is that there won't, but if you just just take the Joel Linton situation, for example. Now, I know that we've already discussed the summer and how that was a one-off to a degree and there was, there was chaos abounded, but... Joe Linton has come in and been expected to lead the line for Newcastle with no experience around him, and he's really struggled. If you could get someone and give them a six-month betting-in period, the second half of the season where there's not as much pressure on them, then hopefully by the start of next year, Mm. they can already be have that Premier League experience and ready to really hit the ground running once a new season starts. My concern is that instead, Newcastle will just go, we'll wait until the summer to do our business. And I understand that because I understand that it's cheaper then. It's, clubs are far more willing to do the majority of the business. And I think that the majority of it should happen then. But I do think if they can bring something forward and start to look ahead, they should try and do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, as well, I think the, the lack of attack and threat has to be addressed some way. It, whether it's through the transfer window or whether it's through utilising the squad better, I don't know. It's just something has to change. Something has to be done. So, is it a change of formation? Is it a change of, uh, you know, tactics? What is it? What do we? How do we solve this problem?
2: Well, so that, so, not to repeat myself, but at least the position that the club's in at the minute means that if experimentation is necessary of that kind that you mentioned at least at least there may be potential to do that because they do have some breathing space, not. A huge amount, let's be honest.
0: But it's quite tight down the bottom end of the table. It's tight at the really bottom is. end of the
2: table, but there's also a lot of really shit teams below Newcastle or teams that have been shit so far. Yeah. What you don't want to do is for the club to sort of spin the dice, which they've which they've often done under Ashley. Mm, yeah. And as Chris says, either not take the opportunity to sort of start that process of changing the team or improving the team. Um, or you know, you know taking the sort of gamble that they'll be okay and then you know leaving themselves open to a long run of bad results i mean i think the way the team is set up that there is a chance of them going through a long run of bad results because you know if you don't if you don't have goals to rely upon you're you're asking for a huge amount from the rest of the team and that just can't go on forever i just don't think it can so And, you know, Newcastle as a squad and as a team can't get away with not being at 100%. And so, you know, I think it's an important month. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all, but you would think that you know, if long-term they want to play in a different way, this is the time to start making that
0: change. And obviously a lot of it is dependent on the players that go out as well because we have that full 25-man complement of a Premier League squad and we can't bring anybody else in until those players go out. So who do you see leaving in the in the window as well? I mean, we've talked about this before. Dwight Gale, there's uh, Yoshinori Muto as well, Key. There's a few players who are not really figuring at the minute who probably could get moved on but it's all to do with if there's willing buyers and if the the right prices are met and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah I mean Key I think there's a feeling around the club and with Key himself that it is an almost inevitable parting of ways going to come at some point in 2020 whether that's in January or by the end of the season so if if, if an option comes along to move him on I think Newcastle will look at that. The Gale situation is, is an intriguing one because Newcastle are trying to say publicly and privately look look we don't expect him to go but He's only going to have 18 months left on his contract. He's not playing mm-hmm. much football. He wants to be playing football, and this is probably the prime time for him to, to in terms of selling him to get the maximum value. He's that at least half a dozen Championship clubs that are interested in him. The likes of West Brom, the likes of Nottingham Forest. So Newcastle's resolve may get tested. My concern with that would be if they do let Gale go, they have to bring in another forward. We've already said about the lack of firepower; they have to bring in another alternative to someone who can play up top. So, I hope that they are just being bullish about this. Whereas privately, they are actually planning for that eventuality. But my concern is that that may just get to the, towards the end of January. Someone offers fifteen million for Dwight Gale, and Newcastle just accept it without a replacement lined up. I hope that I hope they don't do that. I mean, I
2: I think Gale is the key to a lot of things. I mean, on the face of it, they can't afford to let him go. On the other hand, he's not playing or not playing very much. So, and he doesn't fit into the way they play at the moment. So, um, you know, there's, 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 there was a sort of possibility there. They shouldn't need the money. There should be money available already. But you know, there was a chance that that he could sort of bolster that a bit, and they could, and they could, they could sign a sort of decent, a decent player. But um, yeah, I think a lot of stuff hangs on him. Other people, as Chris says, Muto is an interesting one. Not getting a look in. Is he likely to be sold next month? I think that's probably unlikely, but probably could, be alone, it, could if see him anywhere. leave on loan. Yeah. And then there are other people, you know, there are players who aren't around, who aren't even in the Premier League squad at the minute, like Colbach and Sive and James yeah. Sterry, who I'm sure the club would like to get rid of anyway, just because they're filling up sort of spaces mm. at the
0: moment. I mean, is it worth also being slightly concerned about somebody coming in and stealing one of our first team players, somebody who's starting, for instance, someone like Fabian Shaw. It, you know there's been a little bit of rumblings around teams being interested in him as well is is this something that we need to keep our eye on be concerned about we don't want to pull out somebody who's uh you know who's been playing regularly and have to replace them
1: yeah i mean i don't think newcastle are overly concerned about that at the moment i think that they don't necessarily expect too much movement in january from, from other clubs coming to sign their players but equally that is that is a risk that that is run in january's not As we've said before, it's not a month that that clubs tend to do a lot of business, but if someone wants that sort of ball playing centre-back, then Fabian Scher will be someone you'd look at. More of a concern for me... In the medium term, if you look f- to the summer of 2020 and even the, the summer beyond, I, I did a column on this last month, is Newcastle have a lot of players who are either going to be in the last six months or last 18 months of their contract. Mm. Now, you can argue in one sense that that gives them the flexibility to be able to change and to, to be able to move around. But also, it means that they risk losing some of their best players. Federico Fernandez, who has been arguably Newcastle's most consistent player over the last couple of months, is at the end of his contract at the end of the year Mm. Newcastle risk losing him on a free transfer he can speak to foreign clubs as of the turn of the year, as of January and Newcastle have this sort of vision going forward whereby they don't want to be signing a lot of players every year they want to make two or three for want of a better term, marquee signings to, to really improve the quality of the squad which is all well and good, but if you have so many players who are potentially going to leave, then to replace the likes of Federico Fernandes, you're going to have to spend significant money just to replace him, never mind to sign players to yeah. bolster other positions. So that, for me, is more of a concern, the, con- the contract situation that a lot of the players are in. Hmm. And,
2: you know, F- Fernandes, as Chris says, has been exceptional the last couple of months. I'd argue that Cher has been probably the player of the year in terms I of 2019. I love that footballer. But if you're going to play three at the back, you need defenders. And so they've used yeah. all of them. I mean, Lejeune is not getting a game at the minute, but is now ready to come back. And mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see what happens with, with him over the next sort of few games. You know, probably their best player in that position, you would say, on the face yeah. of it. Um, and obviously, Lascelles has been out, the captain. So Kieran Clark's come in and done really well. They've needed those players. So
0: and they've scored a lot of goals between them as well, goals, which is so is, you know not really is, the idea, but it's yeah. welcome.
2: So is there is there fat to be trimmed there? Not a lot. You've then seen we've seen um, someone like Mankeo who has not had the happiest of times at Newcastle necessarily in terms of the, you know the way he's played or you know the reaction to him and stuff like that. Come back into the team and been really good and really solid, and yeah. you know has been linked recently with West Ham. Can, could they afford to let him go? Well, probably not at the moment because mm. he's 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 you know he's he's the team's best player in that position. So very
0: understated and an underrated footballer, I think Javier Manki. Yeah, he comes in for a lot of stick because he doesn't do flashy, fashionable things. But the work he puts in and the you know the, his defensive side of the game, I think, is getting better and better all the time. I yeah. think
1: the move to wing backs has suited him as well. I think in a four he can struggle, but in this system, I think he does. I think he does it well. I think he has a nice balance between attack and defense, and he can get forward and he can, yeah. he can provide. So, I, yeah, I have been really impressed. And I don't. I thought he was a little bit. Uh, harshly done by early in the season when he basically got left out of the team, left out of the squad, even when he had started the season quite well. So uh, just just to offer my play of the season, uh, play of the no, no one's interested. No, Chris, no, so. no, 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 no we no, haven't. <laughs> yeah. I I'm think gonna, we're I'm going to disagree time. with Fabian Chair. Although I do think he's had a good year. I'm going to go for Isaac Hayden. Just I think that, oh, I the, the, that. the the yeah <laughs> the transformation from the summer of 2018, and even in January. 2019 when he, he wanted to go for personal reasons and yet consistently certainly during the second half of last season I thought he was one of the most informed midfielders in England never mind at Newcastle and I also think yes he hasn't been quite quite the standards so far this season but I just think that everything that he stands for is excellent.
2: As Isaac Hayden is my best friend not your best friend Chris so I'm not having that and I'd like don't all of talk that talk about George's want, lad like that I want that minute that Chris has talked about deleted from this podcast and, or I want my voice my face superimposed over his voice is that possible? I don't no, know I don't think it, so because Isaac Hayden's my best friend and I want to say that he's been the player of the year and he can say sure I don't care
0: I think what you can say about Isaac Hayden though is that for somebody who was trying to you know leave the club in the summer he definitely doesn't look like a man who doesn't want to be here does he he, he looks like he's playing no. every minute with no. every fibre of his being
2: and he never wanted to leave that wasn't the point I mean so that was sort of why I mean he is definitely the story of this year if I could say that I mean I th- you know but felt that he had to go for personal reasons uh, young family daughter who'd not been very well yeah. and and so on and so forth and He was brilliant, you know, he he had a horrific start to last season, getting sent off, Um, his head was all over the place, but he came back in and was was sensational, really really good. And he's a proper, decent, good lad as well. And, you know, for all that we sort of joke and talk about the standard of the football and the style of the football that's being played, you can't repeat it often enough that Newcastle do have a good squad in terms of personalities and in terms of character. character and yeah, absolutely. whilst it can be difficult to watch them in terms of style, it's not difficult to watch a group of people play honestly and, you know, with that. And, you know, that hasn't always been the case here. So, you know, long may that continue because it's it's nice to watch. You can't hammer them because they're doing it to the best of their ability I think
0: it's been an interesting uh, first half of the season no doubt that'll continue into the new year uh, thank you very much chaps for your attention and your uh, candour today it's been good fun I've enjoyed it I hope you have a lovely Christmas I hope Santa brings you everything that you want uh, and if uh, anybody fancies putting in a cheeky 35 million pound bid for <laughs> our striker <and laughs> I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> this year blast. is it? <laughs> <Poor> <laughs> <lad>. <laughs> oh bless no absolutely I think we've. Uh, it's been fun and I have to say as well lads it's been great getting this podcast up and running in the last few weeks i've enjoyed it immensely and i'm looking forward to 2020 and everything that comes with it i hope you have a wonderful christmas and look after yourselves and your families and we shall speak to you soon